mini-episode 1440 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late-night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. And looking at uh, what would uh, transpire uh, subsequent to that, uh, Johnny, you, you've got uh, on the early end of uh, Act 3, uh, of course, there was the uh, everything with uh, Deflategate and uh, the scandal that uh, came out of that uh, after the, uh, the, the Colts uh, did a little dry snitch to the NFL about the uh, pressure and the footballs. And uh, it, from there, it just seemed like, yes, there were championships uh, in, in the years that came but again, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, I would rate this maybe a 3 in terms of the last dance type thing here. If you look at the last year or two of the Bulls, you know, maybe, maybe only about a third of that there. But between Brady and Belichick, with the fact that Brady was having to take uh, you know, well below market value to keep those teams together year after year. And quite frankly, when you look at it, that uh, the front office that uh, Belichick oversaw uh, has not done has not done an excellent job in terms of drafting. That's why uh, they had to go out and do the big free agency spree they did uh, last season to try and beef up that roster a little bit more. So Brady's probably looking around going, I'm taking you know, pay reductions for what? As he's seeing what's on the roster there and eventually saw greener pastures uh, in Tampa Bay. But uh, there was a fraying between him and Belichick over a period of time. Uh, Steve referenced the Jimmy G stuff. Uh, and some of this was probably uh, inevitable with two headstrong guys like this. It seems to me, Johnny, that uh, Brady sublimated himself to Belichick for as long as he could, and then I think he kind of decided he wanted to write the last act on his own. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a lot of ground to cover, obviously, from 2014 on. Um, I would just say Brady consistently took pay cuts going back as long. Yep. I mean, going back even before he met Giselle, who... Uh, brings in a lot of money in that household as well. Yes. Uh, so he, he does have that to fall on, but he, he took pay cuts even b- before meeting her. Um, so, and I think one thing, while he took pay cuts, Belichick, as you sort of alluded to, didn't necessarily use those pay cuts to bolster the offensive skill players around him. And Belichick has a pretty poor history of drafting receivers. Uh, he did draft Rob Gronkowski, which is you know one of the probably best second-round draft picks ever. Um, I think he fell to the second round because of injury concerns, which played out, but oh, obviously it, it was well it, worth the pick. Aaron Hernandez, um, too. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, that one didn't really play out yeah. quite as well. Um, but with, uh, you know, after Gronkowski, you know, you have guys like Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola, Malcolm Mitchell for a year, uh, Brandon Cooks playing for a year or two. Um, it's you know, he, he takes these pay cuts, but Belichick is, I'd say Belichick always consistently put Brady in the best position to win championships, which ultimately is the goal. I don't think he doesn't have to put Brady in the best position to have great statistical numbers, even though he also accomplished that as well. 
Um, when I look at those those last few years, and maybe we'll talk about Tampa Tampa in a bit. Um, I think of that 2016 Super Bowl when they come back from 28 to three, and the greatest comeback in NFL history, and maybe arguably the greatest comeback in sports history. Maybe Red Sox down three over the Yankees would also be in the conversation. I'm sure you guys would think of a few others as well. One of the fascinating things about about that game. And, you know, they did for NFL 100, they had the 100 greatest players. Brady was brought into the studio for an interview, I believe, on NFL Network. They talked about, for 40 minutes, Brady's entire career, and this was just after he won his sixth Super Bowl, so before he went to Tampa, but after his sixth Super Bowl, they didn't even mention the 28-3 to comeback one time. And that just speaks to how dominant this guy's career was. You don't even mention a 28 to three comeback in the Super Bowl. Obviously, that's the yet to pick one ultimate highlight, but it just shows you how deep his career was. Any other quarterback, that would be first and foremost uh, the most impressive uh, sort of item on his on his resume. Um, but Brady was always the ultimate fighter. All of those Super Bowl comebacks, you do have to get the defense credit, right? Against the Seahawks, they didn't allow a point in the fourth quarter. Against the Falcons, they didn't allow a point for the last quarter and a half. Uh, you can partially thank Pete Carroll and Kyle Shanahan for those two bets, right. but the defense played huge plays when they had to. Uh, and, and Brady is he, he's the ultimate, even when things just don't go well. You know, against the Seahawks, he had thrown two interceptions in the first three quarters. Against the Falcons, he throws a pick six, they're down 28-3. to This last game against the Rams, they're down 27-3. to Unlike Rodgers, Manning, and some of these other guys, he just has the ability, and maybe it's the mental toughness he's developed over time, um, to just keep fighting and keep clawing. And uh, once he he finds that opening, the rest is history. That's why he's, uh, you know, uh, when he was in New England, six Super Bowls, six fourth quarter uh, game-winning drives against Atlanta. I think he had four of those drives were necessary, and then in overtime. And then I would just say, you know, thinking about the Mahomes comparison, Brady's won three overtime coin tosses in the playoffs. Uh, they went down and scored all three times, including at Arrowhead, which is one of the signature wins of his career in the 2018 AFC Championship game, where he's literally throwing the ball to just Julian Edelman and a broken-down Rob Gronkowski. In overtime of that game, they convert three third and tens. Why the Chiefs weren't guarding Julian Edelman up the middle, I have no idea. But they convert three third and tens, Edelman, Edelman, and Gronk. And they end up winning that game in about as difficult of an environment as there is in the NFL. So you get Brady that opening, he's going to take it 110% of the time. That's true. Those are all very good points. But by, by the way, it, it is obligatory for somebody as petty as me, and I always like to joke about this. If there was a country song to be written about me, it would be called I Ain't Drive NASCAR, but you can call me Richard Petty. So in, in that vein, I have to say, in terms of the comebacks you mentioned, don't let any of these other historic sports comebacks distract you from the fact that the Warriors blew a 3-1 lead. i got to get that in there. But uh, as, as far as it goes with Brady's career, Steve, that uh, these, these years, the final years there in uh, New England, uh, once there was really, and, and again, there was nothing to prove after the, the three Super Bowls uh, early in the career. Those, those sort of cement you at a certain level. But as he starts chasing the greatest of all time, and then I think cementing it even before he leaves for uh, Tampa Bay, uh, just uh, you started to get a little bit more of the behind-the-scenes stuff coming out between him and Belichick. And like I said, it's it's nowhere near the level of the last dance in Chicago. But it is one of these things where uh, had him and Belichick been exactly on the same page, 
uh, there's a very good chance he would have retired in New England. Well, I think that's right, that they weren't, clearly. But I want, I want to go back to Deflategate because I think it's one of the worst raps of all time. And I still have a message on my cell phone the day that they announced that Tom Brady was going to get four games and all the other, you know, million-dollar fine or whatever all the other stuff was for the rest. And Johnny called me up and left a message that I couldn't even play now on the air because <laughs> it would need too many bleeps. And, uh, but the last part was... I hope they win the Super Bowl next year and they boo Roger Goodell off the stage. And, you know, he didn't play the first four games. If anything, I thought that helped refresh him as almost having a short season. Was unconscious in the playoffs. Johnny and I went to that Atlanta Super Bowl down in uh, Houston. Right, Johnny? It was in Houston. I yep. yep. Uh, you, you'll love this one, Rick. You, have, you actually have to walk by the Astrodome to go to where it's right. still there, the Astrodome. Right. And you have to walk by it to go, <laughs> to, go to the stadium in right. Houston. But the joke of the deflate gate game to me was, and I know Johnny will know the exact, the second half, the Patriots won like 38-7 to 7 or something when they fixed the balls at halftime, the alleged balls that were too um, deflated. Uh, so if anything, to me, that was an entire joke. To give him four games, as Johnny said at the time, they're giving rapists and, you know, batter, wife batterers two games. You know, that was right around the Ray Rice fiasco. And um, uh, we were part of the booing him off the stage. You couldn't hear a word Roger Goodell said after the you know, Patriots won that game. And I thought he was eating a lot of crow. Um, but that started, again, just another tough it out. Well, what were they? I think they were like 11-1 when Brady came back. Or I mean, it was just yep. incredible the whole season. And, you know, he was on a mission. This was another chip on my shoulder. This wasn't just, I'm a sixth-round draft pick. You know, I don't have the incredible physical speed. I can't really run. Uh, this was even a tougher. And I think for the last three, frankly, to, to go through the last three, it was as much about his mental toughness and his mental ability to walk up to the line of scrimmage and kind of know what was going to happen before it happened. It was just incredible. Um and, and I'll even throw one in for the, although Joe Stazak, I don't know if he'd agree with me or not, he knows they got away with one. The reason they won that Super Bowl, the Eagles won that Super Bowl, Cora Clement caught a, a catch in the end zone, he bobbled the ball, and somehow Gene Starator, who's now the expert on TV, said, yeah, that was okay, it was okay to bobble. And I'll never forget, Boomer Esiason said, yeah, they, they changed the rules for the catch in the playoffs. Because there's no chance that was a catch all during the season. And I'm not saying they would have won if that was ruled an incomplete pass, but they very well might have uh, might have won. So the other interesting thing to me is when you look at the history of all of these Super Bowls that Brady was in, he really could have lost a few that he won, and he really could have won a few that he lost. I mean, Malcolm Butler made one of the greatest plays of all time, and then two years later, he's sitting on the bench. He can't get into the Super Bowl. <laughs> when they're just torching everybody who took his place. And to this day, it hasn't really been explained. I remember writing an article, did Bill Belichick lose that Super Bowl before the game started by benching Malcolm Butler? And if he was making a point, he should have woke up at halftime because I think if Malcolm Butler had played the second half alone, they would have won that Super Bowl. So it was some crazy stuff where they easily could have won more. Although, again, in my view, they were kind of fortunate to beat Seattle. Uh, Atlanta, the Atlanta, as great as that comeback was, Julio Jones made one of the greatest catches I ever saw. First and 10 on the Patriots 22 with like 
five minutes to go, if they take three knees and let Mac Bryant kick a you know thirty nine or forty yard field goal, I think they're up what eleven. I think with like four minutes left, it's a totally different game. So you do need some contributions from the other side sometimes. <laughs> and as Johnny said before, Pete Carroll and uh, he contributed, and Kyle Shanahan contributed in the Atlanta game. Um, but these are some incredible plays. But he usually comes out almost always on top. Yes, he's seven and three. That's why I, I thought the biggest game was the one against the Chiefs because, again, if Mahomes wins, he's got two. Brady not only has six, but he's six and four. And six and four is not nearly as good as seven and three. You can still make the arguments, but if you go, ah, you know, one more loss, he would have been 500 in the Super Bowl, even though he played in 10. Um, but I think so much was because of mental toughness and the mental knowledge. Again, his stats in his 40s are significantly better than his stats in his 20s, which, again, is unfathomable to most people, including Bill Belichick, until it happened. You know, I'm just thinking that, that the Super Bowl against Atlanta, you know, there was almost a, a running storyline in, in Patriot circles where uh, from about 2011 to 15, if Rob Gronkowski was healthy, in a playoff game, the Patriots were going to win. And you can trace back Gronk either missed games or just wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm. And New England had a hard time moving the ball without him. Right. But in the 2016 season, where Brady goes 11-1 and in the regular season after the Deflategate suspension, Gronk actually gets hurt midway through. So he's coming back from 28-3. to And once again, these guys are all good football players, but he's coming back from 28-3, to throwing the ball to Julian Edelman. Danny Amendola, Malcolm Mitchell, who was a rookie player who never played another snap at football after that game, Chris Hogan, James White. And these guys are tough football players, but that's who he came back in the Super Bowl from 28-3 to with. And just the last point I'll mention, and Rick, I'm sorry to bring back uh, some probably pretty bad memories going back <laughs> a few years, but we talk about you know John Elway in the drive and these other sort of historic moments, or Montana yeah. and the catch. You know, Brady in that Super Bowl down 28 to 20 goes on a 90 I think two yard touchdown drive to tie the game they convert the two points to send the game into overtime and then it goes on a 75 yard touchdown drive where everybody in the stadium and watching at home knew that he would do that so he's done so many of these and I know it wasn't 98 yards but it was you know 92 down eight needing a two-point conversion at the Super Bowl um, he's done so many of these drives if you will you almost can't have a name for them because he's accomplished so many of them it's really incredible. That is true. A couple points about things that you guys said. First of all, on the uh, the drive here again, I'll be petty again on that, and that is I always wonder why nobody outside of America's North Coast ever noticed that Rich Carlos's quote-unquote game-winning kick was not, in fact, a game-winning kick. Check the tape. You'll see what I'm seeing. I don't know how the rest of America missed that, but people in Cleveland saw it, I assure you. And uh, as far as you guys have referenced the two Super Bowls in Houston that the uh, the Patriots won, and I got to tell you, on the second one, I got to think, you know, Dan Quinn and Kyle Shanahan, it just knowing what kind of a beating they were going to be taking after that game, you know, they, they could have used something to take the heat off of them, and they could have been forgiven for sitting there thinking in the locker room, thinking, why couldn't this have been the Super Bowl where Justin Timberlake exposed Janet Jackson's nipple. That was the previous one in Houston. If that had happened today, you know, people would be calling the FCC and everything like that, and people might forget about 28-3 to a little more readily. But, alas, that happened in that uh, classic game against Carolina that uh, Johnny referenced earlier. So, 
the basically, if you will, the coda, the epilogue to uh, to Brady's career. Although I don't know if you would necessarily call it that because there was one more championship, but the the sojourn in Tampa, going down there and playing under Bruce Arians for two years, and of course uh, all the childs feeling so betrayed when it happened. Which uh, you know, again, on America's North Coast, we like to drink chowd tears, so that was something that uh, was very enjoyable to me personally just to see them whining about him, the, the, the same Southies who were singing his praises. But, uh, you know, I, I think in looking at this, I'll start with you, uh, Johnny, that, uh, you know, the, the, the last part of it here, uh, the immediate kind of uh, success, reminiscent to me, it was very, very interesting. You go back to the previous Super Bowl that Tampa Bay had won of uh, John Gruden coming over from, from Oakland and then, of course, you know, coaching against them in the Super Bowl the next year. Uh, just one of those interesting things, you don't see it too many times in NFL history where there's that big of a huge off-season move and it immediately pays off there. Ironically, we're sitting here on the cusp of a Super Bowl where it could happen again with Matthew Stafford and the Rams, uh, but in terms of Brady going to Tampa, uh, whether he was going to do it or not, the, the, the fact that he went in there, did it right away in a brand new circumstance, I think still managed to be jaw-dropping to a lot of people even after everything he'd done before. Really what I do to Tampa as is he, he checked all the remaining boxes. All if, if you're a Brady hater and want to link his success more to Bill Belichick um, or the Patriots system or the organization, uh, this really blew that argument out of the water, right? He not only goes to another team, he goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off a 7-9 and nine season, having been to the playoffs in 12 years, the worst winning percentage of any team in the four major professional team sports in their history. And he leads them in year one, by the way, coming off a, or in the middle of a global pandemic where it wasn't even clear if he could really work out with his new teammates during the offseason to a Super Bowl. Now, I think Tampa had a much more talented roster than the 7-9 and nine season the year before would indicate. Right. Um, but it, it's, it's just still it's incredibly impressive. Um, and like I said, it really just checks off all of, all of those boxes. And seeing what he did in the playoffs, Obviously, I thought the Super Bowl against Kansas City rightfully was more about their defense. I thought they played pretty, really well on offense, too, right? They scored 31 points in three quarters. Would have been 38 if Ronald Jones hadn't been stuffed on fourth and goal from inside the one-yard line. I thought that was about as good of a, a Super Bowl performance that we've seen in a long time by Tampa Bay. So I think Brady just checked off all those boxes. And to do it at the age of 43, right, um, with a team that had no real playoff experience by anybody on the active roster. Uh, that's what makes it different. Um, I remember as a, as a Patriot fan, I was devastated that Brady uh, was leaving New England. As a Tom Brady fan, I was like, Tom, couldn't you have done this like three years ago? Because what happens if you go to Tampa and you're no good? Everyone's then going to make the argument if they want. Oh, it really was all about Belichick, even though he was like 400 years old when he went to Tampa. But to, to make that move at the age of 43, it's just, it's really, we, we'll never see that again. That, that I can guarantee you and have that level of success. And I'd say on an individual level, probably played even better this year after being in the system for a year. Uh, what the Tampa-based postseason and the 2020 season versus in this past season, what we're going to tell you is at the end of the day, a lot of this is about health. Um, if you're healthy, you have a chance. Um, if you're not, you can have a better team. But if you're not healthy, it's going to be really hard to win. And to me, that's a big difference between their last two postseasons. It's just the level of health. They were incredibly healthy in 2020, won the Super Bowl. This year, they were anything but. And uh, Brady still almost made it happen, but ended up losing 
obviously by spring. Absolutely, yes. The beginning of the end for them really was uh, Godwin going down, and then uh, when yeah. Antonio Brown freaked out uh, for the last of his uh, times in Tampa Bay, that was uh, probably the death knell because they just didn't have enough offensive weapons uh, for him at that point. But this is one of these things where, Steve, in, in looking at this, and uh, again, I know the, the deep, deep student of history that you are uh, as well as me, and what Johnny had said there about uh, the, the chance for the final arc to go poorly. We remember these things with, with a lot of these players. And uh, again, and I think it's very unfair that arguably, in, in my estimation, the greatest all-around baseball player of all time, Willie Mays, one of the things yeah. he's remembered for, falling down in the outfield in New York. Yeah. There's that. There's Jordan in Washington. That's become shorthand for things. But Really, that win in the Super Bowl over uh, Mahomes' Chiefs, it's almost as though, and, and the aforementioned, the top 75 players in pro basketball history by the book on Amazon, as was noted there, Jordan played in 2003, and LeBron played in 2003. They didn't overlap because Jordan retired from Washington for the last time just as LeBron was coming in. It's almost as though if Jordan had taken his team to the finals and faced LeBron in the finals, it's almost as if there'd been that kind of an overlap because Tom Brady, uh, in, in terms of the history books, was able to get a decisive stamp on Patrick Mahomes. Whatever Mahomes does the rest of his career, there's always going to be that, uh, plus the previous AFC Championship game loss to, uh, to Brady. So what, what Brady was able to do on, on, on the back end there, if he wasn't already regarded as the greatest, it seems like what he did was put his level that much more out of reach for anybody that comes behind him, starting, of course, with Patrick Mahomes. Well, and what I thought was more, most incredible two Super Bowls ago, as Johnny was saying, in the middle of a pandemic, they didn't have any training camp. They didn't have any exhibition games. They kind of muddled through, I thought, the first half of the season. And I think Brady later said this was really their, you know, OTAs or their exhibition season. And they really didn't start clicking. I think even in Week 10, they lost like 38-3 to the Saints. And then they ran the table. So I thought it was doubly impressive. I think part of the frustration for Brady, and I don't know if we'll ever really know why he decided to retire now, was even, even the year they won the Super Bowl, they were so undisciplined. The, the Bucks compared to Patriots teams. And my view, even though, yes, to me, Brady gets the last laugh, he won the Super Bowl, and even though Belichick turned around the Patriots this year, he's playing with a rookie quarterback who people are, oh, he's kind of like Tom Brady. Uh, not exactly. No. And he threw two picks in his three biggest games of the year. And I'm not saying he's not going to be great. He might be. Uh, but you can't really say that they're a lot. No, nobody is a lot like Tom Brady because you can't really fathom the inner, even when he was a young quarterback, even when he was at Michigan, that inner drive, that inner, that big chip on his shoulder or whatever. But I think part of the frustration here, and it happened this year too, you could see it last year. But as Johnny said, they, they, you know, they were not healthy. They lost Godwin. They lost AB. It seemed like two guys in their secondary were hurt all the time, although they were pretty healthy for the for the uh, last game, you know, the last couple of playoff games this year. But I think part of the problem is you could see Brady's frustration even last year when they would get so many stupid penalties um, or guys are pulling off their helmet and throwing it on the ground, 15-yard penalty. I mean, just stupid penalties. And even though he says he loves Jensen in the center, he was a psycho. He got a 
a bunch of penalties, stupid penalties. And I think that was so frustrating to Brady. And I know I know Johnny has already looked at their schedule next year and he said, man, they got a tough schedule next year. I'm not saying that went into the consideration, but I think they hadn't really connect. Look, whatever you think of Bruce Arians, he's no Bill Belichick. And it might have been more fun and more freewheeling. And you weren't criticized all the time. Although Arians took some stupid shots at Tom Brady last year, I thought. Uh, including at the beginning of the year. Uh, I thought they were stupid. But it was obviously more of a freewheeling kind of environment. So I think all of that, they had not corrected, in my view, their discipline problems this year. They didn't. And and part of the loss was, you know, they got far behind, but Brady did a Brady. Um, whatever happened on those final two plays with Matthew Stafford, now everybody views him to be Mr. Clutch, when they had a total breakdown in whether it was it a, an all-out blitz or not. Um, you know, why did he just run by, why did Cooper Cup just run by the safety? You know, there are so many questions. Would they have won if they had played, you know, overtime? Uh, none of that matters now because they lost. But I just think it was still a culmination of things. Yes, family. Uh, yes, he said he wanted to play till 45. But I think looking forward, a lot of those problems were not corrected. You know, they got like eight free agents. Right. Um, and I don't know that they could sign. The beauty of this year to me was they brought back all 22 starters. Mm-hmm. And A B. Right. And I thought they could come back and repeat. Um, but obviously it didn't work out that way. But I still think there were some chinks in the armor. And my view is so Belichick's doing what he does this year, and he's thinking to himself, look what I did with this team if only I had Tom Brady. And I think Tom Brady's looking over his shoulder sometimes and saying, look at all these stupid pre snap penalties. Look at all these stupid, unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. This would have never happened in New England. So even though he does get the last laugh, Left, I think they still could have used each other. Not that he was going to stay two years with the Patriots and win, um, but just that they still kind of, in my view, needed each other. Although, again, Brady won a Super Bowl without Belichick. That is true. He was able to do that, no question about it. Okay, so we'll get some final thoughts from you guys uh, on the subject here. We, we've gone through, I think, very comprehensively, uh, and I'm very proud to be able to say that with all of the points that uh, everybody has hit thus far. So uh, I'll start with you, uh, Johnny. Anything we didn't get to uh, yet as far as your thoughts on the career of uh, Tom Brady and his legacy? Yeah, just a couple final thoughts. It's really difficult to remember a guy who finished his career playing at such an elite level. I mean, you alluded to earlier, Rick Jordan. Had he stayed retired, we wouldn't say that about him, but obviously he came back with the Wizards. Um, Jim Brown comes to mind who left the game as, you know, as far and away the best player in the game. Um, of course, you know, Tom Brady is 44 years old and he just led the league in passing touchdowns, passing yards, completions. Nobody relies on their quarterback to throw the ball more in football than the Buccaneers do with Brady. Um, so it's really incredible that he's leaving the game on top, even though he didn't go out with the Super Bowl win. He's leaving the game on top. The, my, my real last thoughts besides that are, uh, you know, 20 full seasons as a starter in the NFL because his rookie year in 2008 when he was injured, excluding those two years. He goes to the Super Bowl half the amount of time. You know, he goes to the 10 Super Bowls on average every other year, and he wins uh, seven Super Bowls, uh, more than one in every three tries. In the salary cap era, um, it's just it's hard to imagine. That's never going to be done again. And, of course, he, he leaves the game at the time of his retirement with more Super Bowl victories than any franchise in the NFL. So I don't think there can be any doubt. Um, I know maybe supporters of Mr. Russell uh, would uh, 
uh, disagree with this, but to me, I think he's the greatest winner considering the difficulties in the NFL. Far and away the greatest winner in the history of team sports. Um, and I think he's right up there with Jordan, Gretzky, or Babe Ruth on sort of that pantheon of uh, American team sports athletes. Yeah, I can't find anything to disagree with uh, in what you said there. Uh, final thoughts, Steve? Anything we didn't get to yet? Yeah, just a few numbers. 243 regular season wins. Nobody has more than 186. 35 and 12 in the playoffs. I mean, just, again, these are all like video game numbers. Most touchdowns. Throws for over 5,000 yards as a 44-year-old. Uh, again, interesting to me, 81 games in his 40s versus... 96 games in his 20s, he throws more touchdown passes, he throws for more yards, his quarterback rating was 10 points higher than it was in his 20s. I mean, just just unfathomable stuff, because nobody's done in his 40s, and I don't think anybody ever will what he does, what what, uh, he's done in his 40s, nobody will ever duplicate that. I do have one very weird stat that I'm going to throw out there for my son. We've talked often about the Brady not catching that pass against the Eagles, and I thought it was thrown too far. It went off his fingertips. I just want you both to know in an obscure stat that you will never hear anywhere else ever. Uh, Brady in his career was thrown to three times. He caught all three passes for a total of 65 yards. So he was the perfect pass catcher until that Super Bowl drop, I guess. Wow. It hit him in the fingertips. But once again, being more serious, the greatest quarterback ever, the Pantheon that Johnny named, I totally agree. He did Ruthian stuff in football. I totally agree with that as well. And given the salary cap era, I don't think you can see anybody who will come close to this. And I now include Patrick Mahomes after losing to him last year, losing to him in that uh, AFC championship game, uh, and losing last week. Uh, I think that doesn't bode well because I don't know how long you can keep those teams together. And again, I don't think anybody's going to challenge Brady. You might tell me there are more talented quarterbacks, uh, but you won't have a combination of skill, effort, chip on your shoulder, mental toughness, and the ability to look out over a defense and say, yeah, I know what they're going to do before the ball's even snapped. That's a skill. You know, Peyton Manning did have that skill. Uh, but that's a skill that takes years and years and years to figure out. And I just don't think anybody's going to come close to him. Uh, and my son will be here 30, 40, 50 years from now to talk about it. Well, exactly. And this is the thing where the, the one thing that you can say that will set any athlete apart is when you say nobody will ever have a career quite like his again. I, I can't really – you can count on one hand the number of players presently active in sports – where you could say that about them and probably have a couple fingers left over. The one thing I will say, I'll end this on a circle of life kind of a note, as his career is ending, and maybe this is a little convenient on my part as I talk about the honorary Ohio Bobcat Joe Burrow, but if anybody is starting, if anybody is starting their career uh, at, at a point where they could make a run, come back and see, because certainly the Bengals have a very incomplete team around him, especially offensive line and defensively, and they've made it to the Super Bowl uh, largely on, on, on the back of him, uh, some opportunistic play defensively. The front four uh, is really good. The wide receivers, of course, are outstanding, but uh, if there's anybody that's going to make a run, I don't think it's Patrick Mahomes at this point as much as it is Joe Burrow. But uh, we'll have to see. Gentlemen, uh, a real pleasure having both of you on. 
uh, FDH Lounge dignitary Steve Callis and uh, one of his co-hosts from Callis Remarks, Johnny Callis. I appreciate both of you guys being here so much. Thank you, and thank you everybody for joining us for our retrospective on the career of Tom Brady.